the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rescuers radio show. Heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 and faithtalk1360.com. Please go to our website, rescuersradioshow.org, where you can hear all of the shows on podcast as this is a listener-supported show as well, you can donate and find your way through that on the website if you're so desire. And uh, my my guest, I'm really excited about this. We've known each other for a long time and just have never had a sit-down in front of a microphone before. But uh, Lauren uh, Tapati. Tapahi. Tapahi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My English is good? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of an accent there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not it's not a southern accent. It'd be even worse, probably. So uh, Lauren is publisher of uh, Native Scene Publishing and Design, and print business for newspapers and magazines on the Navajo uh, Nation, and been doing it for over thirty years. Yes, uh, started out in Winter Rock, and then kind of gravitated down to Phoenix, where there's more of a center of native tribe, tribal leaders that I can talk to. Yeah. So, um, Lauren, uh, before we uh, dive into the uh, the wonderful works that you've done and are doing, uh, let our audience, uh, audience know a little bit about yourself. How did you get to this point in life? Okay, I'll try to That's an open make door. it quick. I'll start with when I was born. <laughs> Time's no issue. A long time ago <laughs> uh, in Fort Defiance, uh, Arizona. And Fort Defiance was the first uh, fort, actual fort on the Navajo Nation. But anyway, they built a hospital there, and that's where I was born. And uh, people recognize uh, probably Winter Rock more so. Yeah. Uh, and it, Fort Defiance is just a little bit out of Winter Rock. But I, I grew up there, went to school there, um, graduated from Brigham, Brigham Young University way back in 1979. And after that, came back to the Navajo Nation, where I worked uh, as publisher first publisher of the Navajo Times newspaper. And my efforts there got the newspaper to be independent away from the from the tribe. So that was a huge success, uh, I thought, for me yeah. and for people in the Absolutely. journalism field. Yeah. And also had a optical business there as well and um, had that for about six years. Optical. Um, making eyeglasses like oh, an okay. eyewear place. All right. So All right. Yeah, we had three locations. It is what it says it is. Yes. <laughs> Optical. Yeah, we had uh, three locations, and I sold that uh, when I got ready to kind of venture into new new, new things. But uh, was there. Then around 1995, started looking into doing something in Phoenix. Had a 
started a little newspaper there called the uh, Arizona Native Scene and had that for about 10 years until I uh, started working for the American Indian Chamber of Commerce. Oh, okay. And I did that for about five years. And then soon after that, uh, COVID hit. So I kind of semi-retired. We all know that. (laughs) (laughs) So I semi-retired and just kind of stuck to doing my publishing work, which has been so much fun. It's given me an opportunity to see see Arizona and visit a lot of tribal leaders and talk to people, community people. So it's been really fun. So there's 22 uh, tribes in Arizona? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Okay. And uh, you're popular with all of them, I'm sure. Um, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, uh, thank you uh, uh, for that uh, preview of how how you got here. Uh, Tell us, uh, more about Native Scene Publishing and uh, and the Arizona Native Scene Newspaper uh, that you founded. You founded that one, right? Yeah, Arizona Native Scene. We turned yeah. it into Native Scene, yes. And its mission, uh, tell us about the mission and coverage and um, and all of that right now. It started a newspaper uh, up in Winderock first, where it began, and then I moved it down to, to Phoenix. And Phoenix has a huge Native American population, and when I got down here, I looked around and talked with people and saw that there was not a communication vehicle that all people can look together. And this was back in 1998, before the Internet. Okay. So everybody was looking around for something to read, something uh, that talks about Native American or Native American issues. And so I started the paper and was circulated to a lot of the Native organizations here in the Valley. Yeah. Well, you were, uh, you were, how, how did you di- distribute all of, all of that around state, around the state? Uh, mostly up northeastern and okay. Phoenix. Uh, it was a free paper. Um, it, there's not a lot of uh, Native-owned businesses here in the Valley yeah. or like gas stations and things like that where I could leave the newspaper. Yeah. So I left them mainly in Native American uh, organizations, their offices, uh, anywhere that I could uh, drop it off. Uh, Fry Bread House, if you're familiar with that. Um, they consume the paper there. Uh, love fry hundreds, bread. yeah. Who doesn't like fry bread? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's a new one in Phoenix, or in Mesa. I'll put a plug in for them. May, uh, Hope's Fry Bread. Oh, that's a nice name. Yep. The, the girl's name that runs it, his name is Hope. It's Hope. Well, I, I hope they do well. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> My daughter works there, so oh, okay. better do well. <laughs> uh, keep it in the family. Um, you were named Man of the Year, uh, and, and uh, a part, part of that, um, you are also, are also an avid photographer and writer. Uh, that's a great honor. Uh, tell us about those honors and endeavors how you got there, and, and what's going on with it now? Well, the award uh, for Man of the Year was from the Phoenix area, an organization called Native American Recognition Days. Nice. And where we, the organization puts on a lot of events, and so they're really communicated, uh, connected to the community. And in 2009, um, a friend of mine uh, nominated me, uh, Wayne Mitchell, and I was selected as the Man of the Year. That was 2009. Um, regarding um, the next question, what was that? Um, uh, phot- photography and oh, writer. Okay. Yes, uh, that kind of was uh, born out of passion things. Oh yes, uh, I love to write, um, and that began when I was publisher of the Navajo Times, and so I picked up the camera and started taking pictures. 
And one really uh, memorable time during the Navajo times was I went to um, uh, Nicaragua. Oh, uh, wow. It was right after, in, in like 1983, when the Sandinistas took over Nicaragua. And there was a lot of um, backlash from the local people saying that the Sandinistas were not treating them well. So the government uh, reached out to native organizations and, and asked uh, who can come down and and report what we're doing. We need somebody that's independent, not from our country or nice. or nearby. So we ended up, uh, myself and Mark Trahant, going down to Nicaragua for a couple of weeks to write about the uh, the, the, the current uh, situation there at that time. And there was gunfire in the, in the hills and stuff yeah. like that. So it was kind of exciting. Yeah. The, uh, our government was kind of upside down at that time, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, the Contras at that that were were backed by the American government, um, and so there was a lot of yeah. clashes here and there throughout yeah. the country. Wow! So, and you've got a lot of uh, photo work from that, probably. Yes, it's an <laughs> archive uh, somewhere. Um, I don't have it currently with me, but uh, you have to dig through some old files and find them because everything was uh, negative film and prints back then. So, yeah, they're somewhere. So I have a message for our audience. Uh, if you came in too late to the Rescuers show, my guest is Lauren Tapahe, uh, publisher of Native Scene uh, Publishing. Now, when you say publishing, it's, that's more than one item, right? Yes, it, uh, newspapers, magazines. Um, I just recently completed the Western Navajo Fair magazine. Um, I used to do the Navajo Nation Fair magazine, and that was a big project, an 80-page oh, project. Nice. Um, but the Western Fair was a 40-page object, but those like that, um, two or three times a year, really adds up and keeps your pocketbook full. So, <laughs> Important. But it's a lot of work. Yeah. So how have you managed to bridge the uh, digital gap with all of your publications? Well, um, let me go back a little ways to uh, the Native American Journalists Association I've been yeah speaking at some of the conferences lately. Um, and I tell a lot of the young people we have about plenty of how... time right now, yeah, so... I, I tell a lot of the young people how it was when, before digital, how you had to get your negative film. Uh, nine times out of ten, we'd be using uh, black and white film, and so we'd de- develop it ourselves there in the darkroom. Wow. And then get, the, get prints made, and then if it's too big, get this big, long, horizontal camera... To, to reduce the size of it to get it f- to fit into the uh, storyboard on the on the pace ups and wax machine stuff all these things the uh, terms these young people don't know oh, no. <laughs> and they were born into this digital age and and digital cameras and yeah. digital everything uh, where say twelve people working on a newspaper back then in nineteen eighty three and now you can do everything on one computer. One person can do everything on one computer. I happened to overturn, overhear a, uh, a, a, a story between you and my wife, Dinah, because she used to have a, a small market n- newspaper herself mm-hmm. back in the 80s and so forth, back in, at Bear, uh, in California, Big Bear, uh, California. And uh, so I heard I heard you guys talking about how what were you doing and how difficult it was to get it out the, the night before or something. Yes, we <laughs> sometimes work all through the night just to get the the paper ready for a print schedule, because uh, all the um, newspaper deliverers 
were standing outside the door waiting for the paper to come out. So if we had to wait a couple more hours, they'd get disgruntled and say, hurry, hurry, hurry. And so it was just a fun time as I look back on it. But when you're going through it, you're stressed out, trying to get everything done on time and make everybody happy. Sometimes people think that the newspaper is created by little it's magical it, it ends up it appears the next morning or on thursday morning for, in our case magically they don't know how much time and work and energy has <laughs> gone into it yeah, uh. <laughs> gone into it yes but we're but i was really happy about working with the navajo times and in all kinds of weather <laughs> yes the, the carriers all kinds of weather yeah well so um uh let's jump to another passion you have um, uh, on media and coverage and reaching uh, indigenous peoples. So tell us about that. How involved are you and, 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 and what's your hope for that, that population and what's going on? In an early, early in my life, I've always wanted to connect with people and talk with people. I was not reserved or shy like some people see about <laughs> Na- Navajo people or Native people. I just got out there and just loved to talk to people. I went to Europe early in life and just loved the culture out there. And I just went out there and talked to people. I didn't want to uh, wait for people to ask me questions. I went out there and asked questions. And I say the same thing to my daughter because she's going to Spain uh, next wow. year to to get out there. Don't don't hold back uh, because there's some wonderful people and wonderful stories that they have. And so in doing so, coming down here to Phoenix, I just talked to a lot of people became acquainted with them and their background and who they are. And it's just been a joy to connect with them and also uh, connect with other cultures like the Asian culture or the black community, uh, the Hispanic community. And when I became uh, the CEO for the American Indian Chamber of Commerce, one of the first things I did was hold a multicultural mixer. Oh, wow. And we had nearly 600 people come out for that. Nice. From the Asian chamber, the black chamber, the Hispanic chambers. And we just mingled and had so much fun. And that's kind of my life story is to bring cultures together, bring people together, because we have common causes and common efforts to, to do things. And the more people we can engage, you know, throughout the valley or throughout the state or however far you want to reach, uh, you need these people yeah. you know, to back you or your support to, for their support and to back what you're doing. And it's important that we we stay connected because I always say to some of them, the more we know each other across cultures, the less wars there are going to be. Yes, that's true. We're not gonna we're not gonna declare war on our friend. Yeah. So if the more friends we have, I think the society will 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 begin to grow and heal and get better. So indigenous peoples are all over the world, right? It's yes. not. It's not just a North America or American or it, it's it's everywhere, right? That population. Yes, are and they, are they just not known, or how do you work with around and with them? Uh, just incidentally, uh, this past a uh, couple of months ago, with the Native American Journalists Association, which I was yeah. the founder, as you mentioned, um, they changed the name to Indigenous Journalists Association, so that it nice. it also um, supports or covers uh, other populations that are not necessarily in the United States. So we've reached out to Canada and Mexico, and we've had members uh, come to Nodge or come to IGA, I'm sorry, uh, to be members. And it's just important that we all connect and, and come together. Indigenous people are everywhere. Um, 
we'd be all all the whole population of Earth would be called indigenous, indigenous people, people to to people on Mars or <laughs> <laughs> so they're indigenous to uh, Earth. So yeah, uh, but indigenous just basically means the the people that were first. Have there. you met the ones in Mars? Uh, just in my, <laughs> in my dreams because I always wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> so um uh so the, the they have meetings but. Uh, because of the uh, pandemic, that stopped. But now, in this past year, there was another get-together, right? Uh, about in 2009, that's when the first conference was, I think. And then, but do you now have those conferences now? Which, which conferences, which organization you're talking about there? Um, addressing indigent uh, populations. Um, I don't know if there's been okay. a an event uh, specifically, there was a, like you the mentioned. first one since the pandemic was an in-person one you say after the pandemic yes. in 2019 or 2022 yeah one of those <laughs> <laughs> i may have mis mis uh mistyped it i say 2009 but it's been since then absolutely right you absolutely. know the uh the pandemic really hit the a lot of the native nations uh hard my sister died of covid um, and oh. so, as soon as uh, the the the, uh, the wearing the mask was banded uh, or discontinued on some of the tribal nations, people got together, and they were just happy to be together, uh, but sad at the same time because of the stories of of people that they lost uh, during COVID. Um, yeah. But the there are organizations here in the valley, the yeah. Phoenix Indian Center, Native American Connections, that really brought a lot of people together and just. Last year, they started the Native American Recognition Days parade again, and, and many of the events that were held, usually held, that were stopped because of COVID, and then they recontinued. So it was nice you know, to be there. And it seems to me, uh, more times than not, you're at the center of a lot of these things. Well, fortunately, Good my, for you. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> my mom taught me well to be a happy person, to be a person that looks at the good side of people. Yeah. And so when I talk to people and I try to compliment them on what they're doing and as a result they call me back and say hey we need someone to do this and so my name comes up and as a consequence um, people say that I they call me if they want to know about someone. <laughs> so. so with so many uh, tribal c communities indigenous uh, communities how do you get them all together for a national conference or or even regional conferences? There are um, several national conferences like okay. the Reservation Economic Summit. They, yeah. they hold that annually in Las Vegas. There was a two-year period where they didn't have that. The uh, National Indian Gaming Association is another one where a lot of tribal leaders come to. There's uh, the National Health Board Conference that they have. So any segment of society, health, business, um, economics, uh, the tribal leaders come together and talk, and that's when is a good time to, to, to get all their ears together in one room. Especially so with the Intertribal Council of Arizona. My, my good friend runs that, uh, Maria Dadgar, and that's uh, on a monthly basis. Tribal leaders from the 22 nations come together yeah. and talk about common issues and what they can do to help. That's in Arizona. People. Yes, this is, yeah. 22 nations. Um, so uh, what, what kind of issues are on the table now for the tribal uh, communities and indigenous uh, peoples? It's always uh, been land and water. 
uh, protecting the water. Big deal. You know, protecting uh, well, some the there's some sites. places where you can't even get water, right? Well, on the Navajo Nation, you mean like yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it still it takes a lot to yeah. get water to a home. Yeah, just recently uh, that was maybe built, so it takes a while for, sure. for water to get there. And people always talk about how uh, some of the native families living right under the power lines that come from the Four Corners area down to California, the, the power lines are just outside their door, and yet wow. they don't have any electricity themselves. Oh, my gosh. And so there's still about maybe 40% of the Navajo population or homes that don't have running water or electricity. Yeah. So in your media part of you, do you write Arctic articles on, on these things, whatever accomplishments are re- reached or, or uh, asking for more? What, what, uh, it seems like you'd be involved in those things. I'm not a, a full-time uh, writer uh, yeah. like on staff somewhere, okay. but I do write things that really uh, pertain to life around me. And so I try to bring that out and let people know. And again, for instance, my sister that passed away COVID. Yeah, I wrote a story so titled. Sad. Yeah, I wrote a, t- a story titled, "My Sister Is Not a Number," oh. because on TV they're always saying, "Well, another hundred people passed away here. Yeah. The numbers up to you know, yeah, almost one million, and you don't, you never hear the story, the people's story behind right. those numbers." And so I wrote about my nice. uh, sister and. It was Printed in the uh, Gallup Independent, which was one of the nearby newspapers, and circulated on online, uh, probably nationwide. So I was very happy about that. Uh, so that, that's all just very, very good. Um, my goodness, um, if you could pick a handful of those kinds of issues, what would they be? Uh, going back to water, water. Um, the. Uh, oil pipeline that was coming out of Canada and going down to Oklahoma, I believe, went through indigenous populations in the land, especially the Standing Rock Sioux. And as you may have recalled, three years ago, there was a huge standoff. Yeah. Uh, so many um, people from different tribes came together at Standing Rock to support them, and they blockaded uh, the work on that pipeline. And the local governments uh, brought in all their sheriff posse. They brought in these armored vehicles. And there was a huge standoff and thinking that there was going to be some sort of uh, violence or, or shooting to erupt, but it never did. And the elders at the camp there, whenever any indigenous person came to the camp, or even non-indigenous, um, there's a lot of movie stars that came to, to the camp. Okay. They were asked or and searched that they bring no drugs, uh, no alcohol, no firearms, anything like that into the camp. So they they told the local authority, we don't have any guns. We don't have any. We're not yeah. we're not going. We're not here to be violent. We're right. here just to stop that pipeline. Yeah. Because that company had a history of pipelines breaking and spoiling the land, and that pipeline went um, under the river uh, uh, that feeds into many of the cities in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minneapolis, and those areas. And so if yeah. something broke, you know, all those populations would be at risk, not just the native communities. Right. And so uh, with Bush and Obama, they, they stopped it, uh, and that was great. And we went on to hear that that pipeline in other areas had, had burst, and so we were very... The, peop- the community, the people that came together were very happy that they were st- they sure. stopped that one. Sure. 
So um, are all indigenous or uh, are they members of tribal uh, communities or are they not? There are 551 uh, federally recognized tribes in the, in the United States. Okay. And each of them, uh, most of them have a distinct language. Okay. And, but they communicate very well uh, in the digital age. They, they learn how to use uh, the tools uh, and, and, and gain support uh, for, for their causes. These indigenous tribes uh, have been around, of course, for a long time before first contact of the Europeans. And many of them are reclaiming uh, through the legal system, the legal system built by the American government, to get back some of their land and water. And for instance, um, the Gila River Indian community, they just won a huge water settlement about five years ago wow. that brought water back to their community because when the Salt River was, was dammed in about five or different places, that water used to go to Salt River, to uh, Gila River, to Akchin, and now they, get, they went to court and they got a lot of their water back. People listening right now to the show might want to get in touch with you. How would they do that? Well, uh, you can go to the Facebook uh, and search my name. Yep. And two things will come up, my personal Facebook uh, posting, and then the other would be Native Scene Publishing uh, on Facebook. Okay, Lauren, uh, thank you so much. Lauren Tapahe, uh, thank you for being our guest today on the Rescuers Radio Show. Blessings. Thank you, Art. It's a joy to be here. I appreciate you asking me to talk about Native issues, something that I'd love to do. It's an honor. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.